In our series, this is the third of the questions that women usually ask in counseling. Our first question two broadcasts ago was, what must I do to keep from becoming depressed? Now, if you didn't hear that, and you'd like to get a copy of a little pamphlet that deals with that subject, then just write to the Christian Counseling and Educational Center, Chestnut Hill, Pennsylvania, 19118, and we'll be glad to send you a copy that will get you up on what you missed free of charge. The second question last time was, how do I get along with my mother-in-law? Now, we don't have a pamphlet on that, <clears throat> but it's a very important matter. I will suggest, if you didn't hear that broadcast, to read Genesis 2.28 with your husband and encourage him to see the necessity for making a clean break with his parents and for cleaving to you as the most important person in all of his life other than Jesus Christ himself. You, on the other hand, might read Romans 12.18, where Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody, and that includes your mother-in-law. And if you're a mother-in-law, don't forget, Genesis 2.28 has implications for you to let go of those children when God's time has come for the bird to fly out of the nest. Now we come to today's question. The third question that women ask, I've forgiven, but how do I forget? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You asked that last week, didn't you? Just yesterday? Oh, was it that recent? Well, it's not easy to forget. We say we forgive, but we have a hard time forgetting. Insults, injuries, words that were spoken in haste by your husband or a child or even a mother-in-law. You've forgiven because the person said he was sorry and asked for forgiveness, but boy, how hard it is to forget. Maybe something even more serious than those. Perhaps your husband cheated on you. Maybe it was a sordid, awful mess. You've taken him back, and he says that he's sorry, and he says that he'll never do it again, and probably he won't, but it's so hard not to think about it. It's so hard not to imagine what it was like when he was in her bed, in her arms, having her embrace. No, that's, that's not easy to forget, is it? You'd like to know how to forget, wouldn't you? Let me tell you. You see, your problem comes in that you don't understand forgiveness in a truly biblical sense. Or if you understand it, you haven't really forgiven, even though you may have said that you did. Let's try to understand the biblical concept of forgiveness. When God forgives us, what does he do? Is forgiveness a feeling? Does God just feel a certain way toward us when he says he forgives us? No, that isn't the essence of his forgiveness toward us. When we recognize that we're sinners who are lost and condemned, who have no rightful place in the house of God or heaven or his family, and we come to Jesus Christ and trust in him as the one who shed his blood on the cross in the place of guilty sinners like us, God says, your sins are forgiven. He makes a pronouncement. He declares that. He says it to us in his word. Just as when Jesus said to people, go and sin no more, I forgive you. 
When God forgives, he makes a promise. That's what he does. Forgiveness is first a promise. And this is what God promises. He promises your sins and your iniquities will I remember against you no more. That's what forgiveness is. It's the promise that God makes to us that he won't remember against us the things that we did against him anymore. Now you see, when you said, I forgive you to your husband, to your child, to your mother-in-law, to that neighbor, what you should have meant was, I won't remember this against you anymore. But you say, that's just the problem. I'm having trouble forgetting it. Well, now let's think about it. To remember something against another is to bring it up to him, to beat him over the head with it, to rub his nose in it. Have you been doing that to your husband? Have you been kind of doing it in, in sort of an offhand way, sort of sitting around and moping and crying, and he says, what's wrong now? And you say, well, I just have such a hard time forgetting. And up it comes again. That's not keeping your promise. You see, forgiveness is promising that you won't remember the thing against him anymore, and then you've got to keep that promise. When you make a promise, you're to keep it. And when you do make it and you do keep it, then you begin to forget there's no other way. Let's take this, for example. Let's say your husband has sinned against you grievously. Let's say that there has been another woman. Let's say that it's hard to forget this. How do you go about doing it? Well, first you promise him, I will remember this against you no more. And that promise means three things. First, that you won't exhume the old bone and beat him over the head with it. You won't bring it up to him anymore in the future. Now, you can make that promise, and you can keep that promise whether you feel like it or not. When you grit your teeth and want to tell him and, and want to get at him and want to hurt him with that because he's done something else to you, remember your promise and say, I won't do it because I promised before God and him that I wouldn't bring it up to him again. It also means, secondly, that you won't bring it up to anyone else. You won't go around telling other people what this other person did to you. You won't tell your mother, you won't tell your father, you won't tell all sorts of other people, keep talking about it to others. And thirdly, and perhaps most important of all for you, you won't bring it up to yourself. How many women who don't bring it up to their husbands, don't bring it up to other people, nevertheless sit and brood over it? Long hours of the day when they ought to be working and putting their minds to useful and profitable and God-honoring thoughts, they sit in blue funks in pity parties in sad soliloquies, feeling sorry for themselves. But you say, it's so hard not to think of it. Listen, it'll get a lot easier if you don't entertain the thoughts once they come. Of course they may come. That's not sin. But it's sin to dwell on them. The very moment those kinds of thoughts come to your heart, you ought to say, Lord, I promise not to do this. I promise not to bring them up. And then get up, splash some cold water in your face, stick your head out the window and get some fresh air in your face, and then say, now what can I put my mind to that's profitable, that fits Philippians 4 when it says, think on these things. And then you turn your mind to some kind of mind-engaging activity, like planning something worthwhile. Maybe you can plan a trip for the family or your summer vacation or next week's meals or something that takes your thoughts into profitable areas. So, 
Here's my suggestion to you. Write a list of things down if you don't know what to put your mind to. And when times like that come, pull out your list and then start thinking about some of the things that are on it. I don't know what to put on the list, you say? All right, I'll give you the first item as a freebie. Got it? Write it down now. Number one on my think list, on my Philippians 4 think list is this, quote, things to put on my Philippians 4 think list, end quote. That's your first item. The first time you need this list, pull it out. And there it'll be, things to put on my Philippians 4 think list. And you can put your mind to thinking about things that are worthwhile to think about at that time instead of this other. And I want to tell you something. If you really do these things, you'll forget a lot sooner than you think. Lord, help us to forget, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen.